Good morning, Horizon. We're so glad we could gather together, even though we couldn't be together in person. Uh, I want you to know that there's a number of us all listening to this together in our living rooms, in our homes, and we're gathered really this Sunday, um, not to, in, in a way that's not different than the way the early church would have gathered. And, um, you know, if you think back in the first century, they would have gathered together in homes. They would have gathered together maybe in groups no more than 10. And that was the church. That is the church still today. We are the church, even in these uh, crazy times with the coronavirus. Now, they would have been afraid of different things. Um, maybe we're afraid of uh, the coronavirus or the what's happening with the economy, but they would have also gathered with a little bit of fear and trepidation, um, maybe about the Romans, maybe about the Jewish synagogue and whether they were going to get kicked out of the synagogue. And so whatever you're feeling right now this morning, just know that Christians all through the centuries have felt the same way. They've come with uncertainty, they've come with fear, but they've gathered and they've gathered in the spirit of Christ. They've gathered to hear the word of God. And so too, we gather this morning. So we're glad you could be with us. I'm here with Tom Senko, and um, we're gonna be uh, bringing the message to you this morning. And I know it seems like seven years ago we started this sermon series, but we're gonna try to pick up where we left off in this series called With Christ. Now on March 1st, which I know seems like a long time ago, we started with the idea that uh, we were with Christ in all of these different ways when he was crucified, in his crucifixion, in his death, in his burial, in his resurrection, and in his ascension. And that that act that he did on the cross when he died and rose again, it was an eternal act that had eternal fruit. And when we bow our knee and give our life to Christ, we break into that eternity and we connect with that thing that he did in such a way that we were actually crucified with Christ. That's what we talked about week one. Week two, we talked about the fact that we died with Christ and we were buried with Christ. And so here we are. If you can believe it, this is week three of the series, and we're talking about being raised with Christ. Now, normally at this point, we would you know, show a scripture on the screen and we would read from our Bibles uh, verses that Paul wrote, the Apostle Paul, when he wrote to the churches about being raised with Christ. But instead of that this morning, what I want you to do is picture yourself in the first century. Picture yourself the way they would have heard these words originally. See, most of the time, what happened was Paul wrote a letter, and then that letter got circulated. So someone would have knocked on your door, you would have been gathered with a small group of friends and family, and that person would have stood in your living room, right, maybe where you are now, and they would have read the words of Paul to you. And that's how you would have received the word of God. But for some special homes in special cities that Paul visited, Paul himself would have shown up how amazing would that be? Imagine yourself back there in the first century and you're gathered and you've had a meal together and the Apostle Paul himself shows up and says these words to you. I am Paul, the Apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. You are God's holy people, the faithful in Christ Jesus. Shalom. 
grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, well, I've not stopped giving thanks for you, and I remember you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. See, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you and the riches of his glorious inheritance and his incomparably great power for us who believe. See, it's because of his great love for us that God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you've been saved. And God also raised us up with Christ. Now you know this, right? That all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. If we've been united with him in a death like his, we are also united with him in a resurrection like his. So, in this way, we'll count yourselves dead to sin but alive to God in Christ Jesus. If you are in Christ, you are a new creation. The old is gone and the new is here. So be made new in the attitude of your minds and, and put on this new self. It's created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. And do not lose heart. Okay, outwardly, we're wasting away. But inwardly, we are being renewed day by day. So fight the good fight of faith and take hold of the eternal life to which you've been called into with Christ. My prayer for you is that you would know Christ and the power of his resurrection that is in you. It's, it's in you. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. Shalom. Yeah, when, when I imagine us back in the first century, listening to Paul's words like that, it just makes scripture come alive. It, it adds a whole new sense of what it would mean for him to speak those words over us and for us to get a hold of what does it mean for us to be crucified with Christ and die with Christ and then be resurrected with Christ. It's really powerful. Yeah, it is, Mark. It's, it's amazing to think that not only is the power of the resurrected Christ in us, but it is, it is also resurrected us. So we have now a resurrected self. It's an eternal reality. And it became true the moment we believed in God. Hmm. Uh, the, the moment we received forgiveness for our sins, we suddenly were resurrected and we are being resurrected day by day. And that's what Paul said. So this power exists not only in us, 
but also <laughs> it is it is us we are the new resurrected self mm. uh, in that and and that gives us a sense of superpower <laughs> in fact i would say we are superheroes superman <laughs> yeah well first of all tom that that sounds great it sounds cheesy is what it sounds first of all but it but it sounds i think a lot of us would would hope for that right we would hope to have that superpower that resurrected power living in us and and maybe there's a part of us that believes that's true but but if we're honest about our day-to-day -day experiences especially right now you know with the fear we're dealing with with fears of the economy our job our families it, it does not feel like we have superpowers right now yeah no you're right mark and and sometimes we've been led by a belief that to experience this resurrection power within us that somehow or another that's going to make us immune to illness or to uh, anxiety or pain or uh, any of those kinds of things and and that's really not what Paul is talking about what hmm. he's talking about is that in the midst of these things that eternal sense uh, of love and grace and power exists in our lives to do something uh, uh, really special during those times. And that's kind of what I wanted to share about. I, I have found three ways in which our resurrected self really reveals itself. Uh, two of these uh, are fairly common and easy. Uh, in fact, all three of these are ways in which are already being demonstrated in our lives. We may not have always recognized that they were happening, but our resurrected self is already activated in our life. And this third one that we'll cover is maybe a little scary uh, for some, but all three are possible and are realities within us right now. Sounds great. Let's get into it. So the, the first way that I found that our resurrected self is really revealed is that our resurrected self is capable of experiencing God's presence and, and communing with God in a direct and an intimate way. You know, most of us, I, I would challenge all of us who are believers, have already experienced this. It's already a reality, though we may not have recognized it. Maybe... Maybe we were in church one time and during the singing, we suddenly felt a presence. We felt something coming to us that wasn't from the person next to us or anywhere else. We knew that that was God. Maybe we were walking in nature and suddenly we just heard the gentle small voice of God speaking to us. Or maybe it was a time in which we were afraid and we felt a peace and a calm. Or maybe we were grieving. These are the common times in which God you know, uh, actually reaches out to us and says, I'm here. I, I want to be with you. Let's talk. And and that's been happening. I mean, there's examples of this, uh, Mark, all over the Bible. I mean, from the very beginning, Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, and the scripture says that in the cool of the morning, they heard God walking through the garden. And they heard him as he called out to them. Elijah, you know, he stands at the mouth of the cave and it's not the fire, it's not the, uh, the, the tornado or the lightning or none of those things was the voice of God. It was the gentle breeze, the still small voice. Paul, in the New Testament, on the road to Damascus, he's blinded by a light and he hears Jesus speak to him. These are dramatic examples, but it is taking place already in our life. Yeah, I think that's an incredible point. The resurrection life um, gives us this unique access uh, 
to the voice of the Lord in such an intimate way. I think about in the Old Testament how they had to go through the priest. You know, that was their yeah. hope of yeah. either communing with God or talking to God. But now we have direct access because we live this resurrected life. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a, a couple different ways we can um, engage in this. Um, the first one is prayer, obviously. But yeah. by prayer, sometimes we think just talking a lot to God, uh, which is important. But I think the listening prayer is the biggest thing where we get mm-hmm. to still ourselves and um, hear from the Lord. And uh, we talked about this in October in a series we did in October called Hearing God. The, the mm-hmm. biggest ways that we can hear from the Holy Spirit speaking to us is uh, through thoughts that come to our head that we identify as his and not our own. And then through some pictures that come to mind. A lot of times God likes to speak through pictures. And so if we can recognize his voice, mm-hmm. um, then we know that that's, that's him trying to you know get our attention and speak to us. You know, and, and it's it's funny, Mark, how how complex and difficult we sometimes will try to make that experience of just spending time with God. Right. You know, it, to me, I see it as really no different than if I want to spend time and commune in an intimate way with my wife or my friend or you know somebody. What would I do? What would I? How would I go about having that encounter with them? Well, I, I as you just said, I'd listen more. Maybe I'd I'd pause before speaking. Mm. Um, I'd get, try to get rid of distractions, be quiet, breathe, relax. You know, I would share my experiences, and then I would listen as they as as they shared there. I just don't think it's any different in communing with God. That's exactly right, and I think people um, sometimes think uh, that it has to be at a special time. Uh, it has to be on a Sunday, or yeah. it has to be in a quiet time, or you know. And those are good times to mm-hmm. hear from the Lord, but it can also be doing dishes and it can also be driving in the car and it can also be folding laundry. Really, it's turning your attention and your affections toward the Lord and kind of in that posture of listening. Just a closing thought on this one point is that it's not a question of can we commune mm. with God. The question really is how often do we want to do it? Mm, that's good. So, Tom, help us understand what's what's the second way that our resurrection with Christ is really revealed? I think the second way that it's revealed is that it enables us to see into the heavenly dimension. You know, Paul talks about um, don't fix our eyes on what is seen because hmm. what is seen or what is obvious, that's temporary. To actually fix our gaze upon those things which are eternal hmm. and uh, though they are unseen by naked our resurrected self is capable of seeing kind of beyond the veil, behind the the veil that separates maybe uh, many others. There's so many examples all through the Old Testament, New Testament. I'm thinking of, of Peter when he receives that in a dream, and God speaks to us sometimes through dreams. He received that vision, you know, in that all of those unclean animals hmm. uh, representing, you know, the Gentiles, that they were clean in God's eyes and that he was to reach out to him. Stephen, who in his last moments looks up to heaven and says I see Jesus sitting at the right hand of the Father you know and finally think about the Apostle John in his last days on the island of Patmos and he says I saw a new heaven a new earth you know so sometimes they're really dramatic but I think it's important also to realize that seeing behind the veil seeing beyond what is obvious it, that also takes place in common ways doesn't it 
Yeah, I love that idea. It's almost like with the resurrected life, we have two sets of eyes. Mm. We, mm. we have physical eyes that can see physical things. But with this resurrected life, we have spiritual eyes that can see spiritual things. That's right. And I think a lot of us have experienced that that veil between the seen and unseen is really thin. Mm -hmm. uh, some of us may have experienced that when we encounter beauty. Like think of a maybe a sunset and we're just captivated. You know, maybe we just hiked up a mountain. We see this incredible sunset or we're by the beach and we see this sunset. There's a moment there that we begin to understand that beauty actually catapults us beyond what we're actually seeing. Yeah. yeah. That it that the beauty we're, we're looking at is meant to point us to something greater. And, uh, or even just as simple as a flower, it, you know, the beauty of a flower is meant to point us to something greater and beyond. And um, if we try to pick that flower, try to control it, try to make it about the, the physical right mm -hmm. there, we sort of ruin it. And really beauty is meant to uh, get us beyond that. And um, love is the same way. I think we've had moments where we experience love and we're able to see people we love differently than other people see them. Other people might look at them with just physical eyes. But mm -hmm. when we look through the way God sees people, because we're looking at a person through the eyes of love, we can see who they were created to be, who they were meant yeah. to be. That's and great. I think we get kind of beyond the veil a little bit there. Yeah. And you know, Mark, I'm thinking right now during this uh, pandemic that's taking place and, and the encouragement in some places, the mandate of uh, quarantining ourselves, staying in our homes, you know, the obvious is I have to stay in my home. I can't right. be with the people that I love. But behind that is the reality that actually this may be a time in which we can draw even closer together, that our spiritual connection and that love connection actually can be brought and strengthened during this time. We are not quarantined um, in our souls. Yeah, and I think the resurrected life allows us to be more unified in a way, even though physically... Mm -hmm. We're separated. And, and so how do we experience that more? A couple of thoughts, Mark, I had was if I really want to, to have those experiences seen behind the veil, I need to listen more than I talk and turn off my phone, perhaps, stop texting. <laughs> uh, stop looking at all the stories yeah, on yeah. social media, maybe. That's hard. Slow down, you know, and, and even just remind myself what I'm seeing right now is, is that's obvious. There's something else going on. And then the other way is, is just asking, stopping and asking God, what is really happening here? What's mm. going on? And then listening to the, that spirit who then resonates within us. Yeah, it's Okay, Tom, so, so far you've told us that this resurrected life that we have, that we've been resurrected with Christ, and that allows us to, to have this uh, capacity to experience God's presence and to commune with him and hear hear his voice. Mm -hmm. the, second, the second thing you mentioned is that this resurrected life allows us to, to see into the heavenly dimension, to mm -hmm. see beyond the veil, the bigger things that might be happening around us or might be happening in a person that we have right in front of us. But earlier you mentioned that this, this third thing that you want to talk about is, might be a little bit scary for us. So uh, could you give us a picture or, or a story of this third way, uh, uh, the, this third thing that the resurrected life gives us? I grew up mostly in small towns and rural settings in Oklahoma. One of those towns, population 103 people. I was a good kid, or at least I thought I was. I may not have known who I was, where I was going in life, or how I was going to get anywhere. 
and maybe that's why my dad and others encouraged me to join the Army. You know, find yourself. Well, the day that I arrived in Army boot camp at Fort Ord, California, I knew immediately I was out of my league. I was overwhelmed with the anger, and I was frightened by the physicality and the harshness of what it was like to put 50 guys together in small barracks. I was also overwhelmed with temptations and desires that previously I didn't know anything about. Two weeks into basic training, I was done. I felt alone, frightened, confused, and with no sense of self. And one night I laid in my bunk bed, and when everyone else was asleep, I cried. I cried, and I cried out to God and said, God, I have no idea what I'm doing with myself, and my best efforts are ending in failure. Would you, would you help me through this? I, I need you in my life. I went to sleep. And the next day when I woke, and as I went through the day, I began to realize that something had changed. I, I had no sense of what it was, but I felt different. I, I don't know. I, it was like suddenly I didn't feel so alone. At the time, I had no understanding. What do I do now? That, that moment on my bunk bed, God forgave me, and he also resurrected within me a new person one that could commune with him. He gave me a new sense of perspective. I began to see with new eyes that my drill sergeant who was screaming at us all the time, it wasn't because they hated us or that they wanted to destroy us. And the guys, some of which were so angry and wanted to hurt people, actually they were afraid themselves. I made it through basic training. The last week of training though was the obstacle course. And there were 50 of us in Bravo Platoon. And we went through that day some of the most painful, humiliating experiences that I've ever had. Designed, I guess, to break us down so they could build us back or something. I don't know. We were exhausted by the end of the day. And the last obstacle of the event was the tower. 50 feet high to the top. It was made up of four or five platforms, wooden platforms, stacked on top of each other and held up by huge, massive four uh, of these wooden posts, like telephone poles, but massively so. Drill Sergeant uh, Jackson gathered us around together and explained that our goal was to climb to the top of the tower using whatever means necessary to get to the top. And the captain, who had pulled up in his Jeep, he said, Hey, boys. Whoever makes it to the top first, I'll let him ride back with me to the base in my Jeep. Which was a good thing because it was 10 miles back to base from where we were. So we were motivated. They circled us around the tower. They fired a gun. And like madmen, we began to climb. So to get to the first level is like cargo nets. And, and so we're climbing up the cargo nets and laughing and having fun. And the next one was rope ladders to get up. And we're pulling each other off and fighting it to the top. And I'm up there with a bunch of other guys. And then it's ropes. And so we're climbing up these ropes. And we get to the fourth level. And we realize that there's no way to get to the next. I mean, there was the post that, that separated it. And so guys started trying to climb up the post. But they'd been climbed by so many hundreds and thousands of guys before. They were, they were smooth as glass. And you'd get halfway up and you'd slip back down again, you know, or somebody would pull you down. And so I'm standing there watching as that level kept filling up with guys. And, 
and I realized that it was over for me, that I wasn't going to make it to the top. I wasn't big enough or strong enough to push people out of the way to get up. And as I was standing there, Drill Sergeant Johnson said to me, Private Senko, do you want to get to the next level? And I, I said, well, yeah, I, I guess. And he said, well, if you really want to get to the top, I'll tell you how. Here's what you do. You just jump up and grab the next level and pull yourself up. It's easy from there. And I, and I looked up, and the problem was is that the next level was eight or nine feet above where I was standing, and that level stuck out farther than the level I was standing on. That would mean that I would have to jump backwards and up to grab the next level. And when I looked down, there was like, I don't know, dirt and rocks and, and big boulders. And I don't know, many of the boulders, they had like red splatters all over them. And I said, no, I'm not going to do that. I'll kill myself. I'll slip off. I won't be able to hold on. And he said, Sanko, it's not that way. There's a little trim board that runs around the edge of that next platform. And if you just grab that, it, you can pull yourself up. But trust me. Yeah, yeah, this is a guy who's been lying to us all for, you know, two months. And, and I said, I don't know, I don't know. And then he said this to me. He said, Private Sanko, this is one of those moments where a man has to decide who he's going to be in life. And I thought about that. And I turned my back to the edge of the level I was standing on. And I took a breath and I looked up and I looked down and I decided not to look down again. And I looked up and then I jumped. I jumped backwards and up over the rocks, over the boulders. And I had so much adrenaline going that my arms went all the way over on the top of the next level. But then I started to slip off. And as I neared the edge, I thought to myself, if I survive this fall, he dies. And just as my hands got to the edge of that platform and I knew that it was over, my fingers wrapped around a little trim board. <laughs> I was hanging there and I pulled myself up and then I climbed the ladder to the top level and I stood up there 50 feet high and I let out my barbaric yawp because I knew in that moment all things were possible for me. 49 guys walked back 10 miles to the base camp. I rode with the captain. Tom, first of all, you're a master storyteller. And that is one of the greatest stories I have ever heard. I love that story. Uh, and of course, your life is full of those kind of stories. Uh, but what it reminds me of is uh, a guy I've read in a book a couple of different places where it said how you spell faith is R-I-S-K <laughs> and that a life of faith is going to be, this resurrected life is going to be a life of risk taking. Yeah, it is. And, and Mark, in that, in that story, what has really come true for me is the reality that it wasn't necessarily the choice to jump. It wasn't even the jump itself. And it wasn't the moment that my fingers wrapped around that board and I realized that I wasn't going to die, <laughs> although that was wonderful. <laughs> the life-changing experience actually took place between when my feet left the level I was standing on and the next level and the trim board. It was the space in between 
that actually has produced a change in my life. I have come to learn that it's that space of, I often call it the space of yes. It's the place where all possibilities exist. When we take one step farther than what we know or what we believe we can take mm. and have not yet reached the space, there's no guarantees. There, there's no guarantees of how it will come out. And I'm thinking of Peter. I, I'm thinking when Jesus comes walking on the water in the midst of that storm, and Peter asks him, can I come out to you? And Jesus says, come on. And Peter takes that step on to, but frees that action. It's that moment when Peter's balance shifts from standing in the boat and his foot has not yet found that it doesn't sink when he hits the water. It's that place where all possibilities exist. There's no guarantees from God or anybody else. And yet it is in that space that we find such a dramatic encounter with the divine, with the God of the universe. And only our resurrected self really takes us to that moment. Mm, I love that. To close these thoughts, Mark, let me, let me get us one more story. And this is one that portrays that place between the step from what is known, but before we find what actually is going to be the new reality, you know, the place of yes, the place of faith, the place where all possibilities exist. News had reached Jesus that his beloved friend Lazarus was terribly sick and that he should come. And yet Jesus stayed where he was for two days, even though he and his disciples would have to travel the dusty roads and trails from where they were all the way to Bethany in Judea, where Lazarus was. And the disciples didn't understand. They were confused. And even more so when Jesus told them that now they should begin their journey because Lazarus was dead. As they approached the home of Mary and Martha, Martha ran to meet Jesus and she was crying and she said, Jesus, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. To which Jesus said, your brother will rise again. And Mary answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. But Jesus said, I and the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Well, crowds are there to watch as Jesus walks to the tomb where the dead body of Lazarus was buried four days prior. He commands that the stone be rolled away. The crowds are confused as to what Jesus is doing. Some can see Jesus's great love for Lazarus. Some are concerned about the smell that will come forth. And some question Jesus's motives as to why he didn't come sooner. And some perhaps shy away from simply the horror of reopening the grave of the dead. But Jesus looked up and he said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I know that you always hear me. But I say this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. And then he who would one day soon be crucified and buried, the one who would resurrect from the tomb, who was and is the resurrection and the life for all who believe, that one said with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. Time stops.
bodies freeze, breathing ceases. We enter that place one step beyond what we thought was real, what was safe, what is predictable. And we float suspended in a space with no footholds, no assurances, no guarantees. With the crowds at the tomb, we wait. And he who has been dead came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said, take off the grave clothes and let him go. You are with Christ in his resurrection and his resurrection power lives in you. You see, that life is being renewed in you day by day. And there's nothing you have to do to generate it. And you can't create more of this power as the power comes from God. And it is right now fully alive with you. Therefore, Jesus simply says to you, take off your grave clothes, let go. You are now free to live. Tom, you know, when we started this, I, I wasn't really convinced that the resurrected life gives us superpowers. But I, <laughs> I see what you're saying now. We can think of it that way, that we have in this resurrected life, the fact that we have been raised with Christ means that superpower number one is we get to hear from him. Yeah. We get to connect with him in this intimate way. It's incredible. Mm -hmm. and, the, and the second superpower is we get a second set of eyes to see. We get to see beyond the veil. We get to see into the eternal realm, into the unseen realm. We get to see people the way God sees them. Mm -hmm. I mean, that in itself yeah. is a superpower, Powerful. right? Yeah. And the, that third way is certainly a superpower. The, the ability to be floating in that space, the in-between space mm -hmm. of faith, of risk, where we don't know for certain the outcome, but we also don't allow uncertainty to bind us and hold us yeah. back. I mean, that's certainly a superpower that that's great to have, you know, <laughs> that really was purchased for us by Christ and his death and resurrection. Yeah. So thank you, Tom, for, for reminding us of what this resurrected life is really all about and what's available to us by claiming the truth that we were raised with Christ. Yeah. Tom, could you just uh, pray over all of us listening this morning? Could you just uh, close us out with a prayer? Sure. Thank you, Father, for the grace and love that you just have freely given to us. You tell us in your word that before you ever even created the world, you had already chosen us to stand before you holy and without blame as a result of what Jesus would do for us on the cross and in his resurrection. The resurrection power of Jesus now lives in us by your Holy Spirit. Uh, what can we say? Thank you. Thank you. We didn't earn it, and yet you gave it. During this time of uncertainty, when a, a virus is threatening everything and the stock market is plummeting and Millions may lose their jobs, and people are sick, and some are dying. We need you. 
we need to spend time with you to talk with you and just be with you because we know that in your words there's life and there's love open our eyes to what can't be seen with our human eyes help us to see those opportunities where we can at this time and in this place be the salt of the earth and the light to our world we accept right now the renewing of our faith our hope and love through Jesus and we shed our grave clothes we let go of that which would attempt to bind us and with open hearts right now we embrace the power of Christ's resurrection in us as we rise up free men and women in Christ thank you and it is in the name of Jesus we pray amen